the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the 19th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being with us. Also appreciate Carrie Severino, uh, co-author of that extraordinarily important book about Brett Kavanaugh, the one that actually seeks truth called Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. We'll return to that uh, subject coming up in just a bit. But for now, we're going to address a couple of different issues as our guest and friend, Dr. Everett Piper, former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, best-selling author as well, joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Piper, good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Always a pleasure to talk with you. We have a lot of ground to cover today on a lot of different issues, and I want to start with your latest work. I neglected to mention, by the way, that you are a weekly columnist for The Washington Times, and you wrote a great piece at a great time, I believe, about our constitutional republic. We, of course, just celebrated Constitution Day on Tuesday. I spent a great deal of time talking about the history uh, of that document and uh, the country that uh, relies upon it for its success. Uh, we have a republic if we can keep it and our constitution is under i believe assault right now i believe it is under an attack and um it is being described by those who are attacking it as being a living body that can and should change with modern times like like i said on tuesday i spent a great deal of time through our uh, uh, historian bill federer talking about no how uh, our founding fathers did account for changing times in the document, and that is what we must live by. Now, you wrote about this somewhat uh, uh, in your last piece for the Times. Can you tell us more? I actually used the story from the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's seminal work, children's novels, yes. Mm-hmm. However, the spiritual truths for adults are replete within the Chronicles. The Silver Chair is one of the books. This is a story about Aslan telling 
the children the, that are in Arnia that they need to go on a, an adventure, and they need to go into the underworld of the evil witch and rescue Prince Rillian, who is being held captive by the witch in a cave, in a silver chair, that keeps him bound in his delusions rather than allowing him to return to the sun-filled lands of Narnia and experience truth again. The children find Rillian in the cave, and all of a sudden they find themselves confronted by the witch. Now, what's the point? I'll try to be quick here. The point is the witch, when she confronts the children as they're trying to release Prince Rillian from the confines of the cave and the deception of the witch's enchantments, she doesn't use power. She doesn't use force to confront the children. She uses lies. She uses lies and deception and enchantment to bewilder the children. What's the solution? The solution is in their Narnian friend, a marsh wiggle called Puddleglum. While the witch is enchanting them and almost has them captive by her lies and her deception, by her enchantments, Puddleglum walks over to a fire that's burning in the center of the cave and he sticks his foot in it. And the moral of the story is there's nothing like a good shock of pain to awaken you from the enchantments of evil and revive your reality of truth. And this is what we're experiencing today in the political debate. We're being lied to incessantly by the left. Enchantments, sing-song deceptors try to deceive us on a daily basis. Listen, listen to the Democratic uh, debates and you hear this. Lie after lie after lie. Deception after deception. We're being told that men and women aren't real. We hear the song. We're being told that children as young as four and five years of age should be allowed to choose their genders. We hear the deception. We hear the deception on gun control. We hear the deception in our schools. We hear the lies in the political debate. The only solution is to walk over to the fire of the Constitution, the objective reality of our constitutional truths those self-evident rights and truths that have been endowed to us by our Creator. It's that shock of pain by sticking our foot in the fire, if you will, that will awaken us from our slumber and help us revive our liberty. To to finish that metaphor, though, and to make it work, um, somebody has to be willing to endure the pain. What is the pain, and who is willing to stick their foot in that fire? Well, let's go back to my not-a-daycare commentary when I was traveling the country with regard to my challenge of the academy, saying, you know, this is a university, it's not a daycare. What was my constant refrain when I was asked by Fox and Friends and Fox News and Tucker Carlson, and the list goes on, when they asked me, what is the solution? I said this, look, education isn't supposed to be safe, it's supposed to be good. The great line Aslan was said not to be safe, but good. Let me paraphrase. The great lion of the academy, the great lion of the ivory tower, the great lion of the Constitution, if you will, isn't supposed to be safe, but it's good. There's a huge difference between safety and goodness. We need to recognize the objective standards of goodness that are contained in our seminal documents, biblical truths that don't change with your opinion or mine. That's the pain of correction. No pain, no gain. We've all heard that in the sports arena. If you're an athlete, you know that. If you're a musician, you know that. If you don't practice, the pain of practice, the pain of, uh, of um, succumbing to the laws of music allows you to perform a concerto rather than chaos. It's that paradox of discipline and freedom.
Dr. Everett Piper joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. You mentioned gender roles. You mentioned the LGBT community, as we often discuss. I spent almost the entire program last night. I was sitting in for Larry Elder on his national program, and uh, we discussed a number of stories. Um, and, and I'll just give you the headlines of them, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, something that you have also commented on in, in one of your uh, segments uh, with uh, American thought leaders. But I had three stories yesterday. One is of a U.K. couple that is raising their 17-month-old toddler as a non-binary individual, uh, refusing to identify the child as either male or female because they don't want preconceived uh, uh, stereotypes to apply to the child, um, which I consider to be child abuse. Uh, the second one is that the state of California here in our country has added Iowa to the list of states that they will not allow uh, state uh, uh, taxpayer-funded travel to because they refuse to uh, fund uh, gender transition, sexual reassignment surgeries with taxpayer dollars through Medicaid. And the third one is about our culture in and of itself. Um, we all know that about the pronoun problems, uh, he's who want to be known as she's and she's want to be known as he's and others who don't really believe they're he's or she's and they want to be known as they's or them's. We have dismissed this as an abuse of the English language. You can no, no more change English grammar and the rules of pronouns, plural and, and possessive and singular and so on, any more than you can change the rules of mathematics. Two plus two does not equal five. But this is what they have done. They have convinced the dictionary publishers, Merriam-Webster, to add the gender-neutral pronouns to the dictionary. I want you to think about all of those stories, what we're doing to children, what the, the, the governments are doing to continue to further this delusion, and now how much they're winning, that they are literally getting, you know, if they can do this with the dictionary folks, they're going to do it to the textbook folks, uh, and, and all of this stuff is going to, we're going to change literally the rules of the way, the way we speak, the way we talk, the way we write, and who knows if they can change that, what else they can change. You know, it's ironic that uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary is changing uh, singular pronouns to plural and making the singular and the plural indistinct, mm -hmm. which is a butchering of grammar. They're right. also changing the objective reality and truth of whether you're male or female and butchering whether or not a woman can claim her identity, her dignity, her privacy, and her rights. And why do I focus on women? Because this is a winning debate for conservatives. We should be standing up for the dignity and the reality of the female. We should be saying, how in the world can you possibly, possibly believe in the rights provided by Title IX that give women equal access, equal access to facilities and sports and scholarships and all those other things that men enjoy within the academy? How can we possibly defend the female if she is not a biological fact. If women aren't real, then they lose. Women and children always lose first and lose most at the hand of an unleashed male libido. And that's what we see right now. They're being subjected to the opinions and the slavery and the bondage of these dysphoric males who are so confused that they want to play dress up and make believe that they're women. That is not a compliment to the female. That is the degradation of the female. We are truly pro-woman. We are the feminists today because we don't deny the feminine. We are those that are standing up for the rights of children to not be abused by this social experimentation by the radical left. The children should actually be protected and not be experimented upon with political agendas. We can win this debate by being pro-woman and pro-child. 
That's a great analysis, um, and unfortunately, it is meeting a lot of resistance. I'm going to take a time out here, Dr. Piper, and we're going to talk about some of that resistance. The way that um, the viewpoints you just presented are being uh, judged uh, by the media and by academia to be essentially uh, bigoted, cruel, and a lot of other things. And I'm going to uh, let you respond to that as we continue after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, coming up on 1023, that gives me about seven good minutes left with Dr. Everett Piper, uh, former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, current columnist with the Washington Times, as well as the uh, best-selling author of Not a Daycare. Um, all right, Dr. Piper, everything you just said regarding women and protecting them and defending them by simply recognizing their existence and uh, that they cannot just be created by somebody's delusion um, – Everything you just said would be described as bigoted and, dare I say, incendiary if you say this in the wrong company. This is MSNBC. And in Louisiana, the Republican candidate for governor, Ralph Abraham, is out with a new TV ad this week making incendiary comments about gender. As a doctor, I can assure you there are only two genders. That's the incendiary commentary, that there are only two genders, that physiological science, biological science, anatomical science, chromosomal science proves that there are only two genders. That now qualifies in this culture, Dr. Piper, as incendiary. I guess my response to this stuff is to go back to what Jesus did when he was confronted with nonsense. If Jesus was the smartest man that ever walked the face of the earth, and I would argue that he was, Jesus was God, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He described himself as an alphabet for a reason, because Jesus spells out truth for us. How did this man, how did God incarnate confront the lunacy of his time, the arrogance, the elite, the politically correct? His response was almost always a rhetorical question rather than a debate whose face is on this coin, why do you call me Lord? Do you want to pick up the first stone and throw it? And then he's quiet, and he lets the world view of his, impo- of his opponents collapse as they drop their stones and walk away. So, in the face of this lunacy, we should just be prepared to ask some good questions. Incendiary? It's incendiary for you or me to acknowledge the objective reality of a female Now be quiet. Let their worldview collapse as they try to respond. Tolerance? Can you tolerate my intolerance? Be quiet. Let their worldview collapse. You sound like you're critical of bigots. Are you suggesting that your opinion being as pointed as it is is not an example of bigotry in itself? Be quiet. Let the worldview implode. Do you believe that women are real? Do you believe that children should be protected? Do you believe in the dignity of children and women? And should girls, high school girls, have their own sports and their own showers and their own privacy? Ask these questions. Do you hate hateful people? Are you sure that nothing is sure? Do you know that nothing can be known? And are you absolutely confident there are no absolutes? We need to learn to ask these questions and then be quiet. 
the left cannot answer these with a straight face. It's actually comical. Well, you're right, it is, and it's also very um, disturbing because their only answer is to turn to you and call you a bigot and to call you incendiary again and say you are intolerant, you are hateful, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, since you took this to Jesus Christ, which is a great place to take anything, I, I would suggest, um, I want to talk about, uh, your. I mentioned before, your your segment that you did on American Thought Leaders, and you talk about the Ten Commandments and essentially the Ten Laws. And I'll quote you here, and then maybe you can expound upon that for us. God gives us ten laws. We refuse to honor ten laws. So what do we see as a result? Thousands upon thousands, down to the point where they are telling us how to use the bathroom. Um, Can you explain a little bit further what you mean by how we have just turned away from the ten commandments, the ten laws, and how those should be still guiding us today? Actually, the the context for my uh, comment on that particular episode was, um, G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton told us that there is no freedom without fences. There is no liberty without law. It's the paradox of discipline and freedom. And as the context of that, Chesterton says, when you get rid of the big laws, you don't get liberty, but rather thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. So here's my statement. We can't live by the big laws any longer. We refuse to live by ten simple laws. That was it. God gave us ten the Ten Commandments, if you will. He said, live by these laws and you will be free. You will have dignity. You will honor each other and you will honor me. But we refuse. We refuse to live live by ten, and frankly, Jesus narrowed it down to two. So we refuse to live by ten laws or two, and what do we see as the result? Reams upon reams, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of little laws from Washington, D.C., rushing in to fill the vacuum, down to the point where they're now demanding what pronouns we use, and they're actually telling us how to use the bathroom. Is that liberty? Oh, no, it is not. It is not freedom. It's fascism. And it's because we as a people refuse to acknowledge the paradox of liberty and law. I'm going to embarrass myself here by asking this, um, because I, I, I just don't know quite exactly what you refer to when you say that Jesus only gave us ten laws, or excuse me, that God gave us ten laws and Jesus narrowed it down to two. What are the two? Well, when, when, when Jesus is asked which law is more important and he summarizes the Ten Commandments, he doesn't abandon the ten. Don't mis- don't, I don't no, want no, I understand. He doesn't yeah, I understand that. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to hear the specifics of what you're referring to. Go ahead. Well, Jesus summarizes the ten by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And in, and in honoring these, you've honored all of the ten. So Jesus basically takes the ten and summarizes them, if you will, into the two. So I'm not saying he abandoned eight of the ten. I'm suggesting that the summary of the ten is found in the two that Jesus tells us to honor. Got it. And and that's, uh, that, like I said, I knew I'd be embarrassed when I asked because I do know that, but I could not understand what you meant at the time. But that is very well said, Dr. Every Piper, and that's why we love to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We'll look forward to the next column. Can you give us a sneak peek? Because these are running, uh, your, 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 uh, what is your deadline on these, Fridays? Yeah, I write it every Friday morning and get it off. It's published every Sunday afternoon in the Washington Times, and you can find that just by going to Washington Times. You can check my name if you can't find it in the immediate post in the opinion section, 
But uh, I'm one of the contributing columnists in the opinion section every Sunday afternoon and evening on the Washington Times. Yeah, I know. we I see it on Sundays, but uh, I always see the post online, and it says Friday. So that means that's tomorrow. So I'm using that as a cheat here to uh, give uh, maybe ask you for a sneak peek. What's tomorrow's topic? <laughs> well, I haven't decided yet. Oh, I we're... may write. <laughs> the creative process starts <laughs> Friday morning after coffee, right? <laughs> Sometimes it does, actually. Oh. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, Bob, I can't give you a sneak peek this week because I haven't decided yet. So no, I totally understand. I totally understand. That is how it works sometimes. Uh, and, Dr. Piper, I will look forward to reading whatever that comes turns out to be on Sunday. Thanks so much, sir. Hey, blessings. Bye-bye. You got it. 1030 now. Let's get news. And uh, your phone calls. We are guest-free the rest of the way. Dial now. 216-901-0945. It's the Bob France Authority. You know, I'm so glad we play this song at this hour every day, or at this time of the hour. It just reminds me how much I loved this band. Seriously. It was one of the first concerts I went to, too, in the uh, mid-late 80s. No, turn it up. Turn it up. It's okay. We can listen for a little while. I was a huge Tears for Fears fan back in the 80s. I went to this concert at Public Hall, believe it or not. It was a great show. It was one of my, like I said, one of my first concerts, actually. And I have them all over my uh, my phone's playlist. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't judge me. Ten thirty six. The Bob France Authority continues now at AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Phone lines are open. If you want to get in, please do so at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. And uh, if you want to hit me on Twitter or social media, Facebook, <coughs> excuse me, etc. You can do that. At France Radio, F R A N T Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. Hey, can I? Uh, I want to uh, remind you, give you a little update here. When I told you a few weeks ago when we started um, and put the tickets on sale for the uh, War for America Soul Tour, I told you not to wait. I said November 21st seems like a long way away, right? It is. It's more than two months away even now because today's only the 19th of September. But I said the tickets for the tables, they're the most expensive tickets for this event, but they are easily the most popular, and they're going to sell out fast. Um, I wasn't kidding. What I mean is the War for America Soul Tour on November 21st at the Holiday and Rockside in Independence. Um, the ticket, the table tickets, rather, are all sold out except for one ticket. One ticket remains at uh, Peter Kersenow's table. And the only reason that is is because he was added to the, uh, to the panel a little bit later than the others, and his tickets didn't go on sale at the same time. But all of the tickets to sit with me are sold out. All of the tickets to sit with Hugh Hewitt are sold out. All of the tickets for Dr. Sebastian Gorka's dinner table are sold out. There's just one ticket left for Peter Kersenow. I suggest if you want to sit at Peter's table and uh, interact with him and uh, avail yourself of his incredible wisdom and insight. It's a, if you think it's fun talking to Peter uh, on the air, you should spend you know a private moment with him because it is so enlightening and illuminating and fun. He's a funny, funny guy. You you may not realize it, but uh, anyway, get online at whk.com, whkradio.com, rather. Get the right website, France. whkradio.com and get that ticket. It's the last one available for the tables. However, the host tables, there are still dinner 
VIP tickets available, exactly 70 of those. So this is at your own table. So maybe you and your employees, your clients, your company, or just a group of friends want to get together. Uh, there are 70 VIP dinner tickets still available, so you can eat with us in the same room. You just won't be at one of our tables. Uh, that is a great thing, too, because we do interact. Uh, there's a little bit of a social hour. We take pictures with VIP ticket holders that you get to keep as keepsakes. Um that's phenomenal. Uh, so there are 70 of those left, and I'm told there were only 38 tickets left for general admission, which is not the dinner, but just the stage presentation in the War for America Soul Tour. So I wanted to share all of that with you. Uh, look, they went so fast, as I told you they would. Um, the remaining VIP tickets and general admission tickets are going to go super fast, too. Don't wait. Go to whkradio.com. We will be discussing, all of us, all four of us on stage with you, socialism, the upcoming election, Iran waging war, which is something we're going to cover in this half hour, restricted free speech, religious rights, which we talked about yesterday a lot, racial tensions, all of these domestic and global dangers threatening our uh, our culture, threatening the United States, quite frankly. Uh, the U.S. Constitution, the rule of law, these threats are foreign and domestic. Many of them are going to be on the next Democratic debate stage. They are true, present, clear and present dangers uh, to the constitutional republic that we have built. And we will, will, we will not go down without a fight. That's why we're calling it a war for America's soul. So I hope you'll join us. Tickets at whkradio.com. So one of the guys that's going to be at my table, I have already seen the guest list or those ticket purchasers, is going to be my friend Charlie Kalani. Uh, who is a uh, wonderful guy and a dedicated patriot who just texted me um, a really interesting comment after I talked to Dr. Piper. He texted this to me privately. If you don't have a problem with men or boys in women and girls' bathrooms and locker rooms and vice versa, then why stop there? I would assume you'd have no problem removing your clothes and walking around naked in public. My response to Charlie was this. Yeah, but then you'll be accused of sexual assault and never be allowed on the Supreme Court. And Charlie said, LMAO, right, and there you go. There's the lunacy of it all. The same people making accusations against Kavanaugh are the same people that would encourage the bathroom nonsense. And I want to expound upon that. He's right. We are right. Together, as we kind of just came across that. The people who say that you are guilty of sexual harassment or sexual assault if you expose yourself to someone else against their will are the same people who demand that rights be given to people to expose themselves to other people against their will as long as they claim psychological delusion. If I were to to walk into a female shower room or locker room and drop my pants, get naked, get ready to head over to the shower, I would probably be arrested. I would certainly be, uh, well, let me rephrase. I would probably be arrested and possibly accused of sexual harassment, if not outright sexual assault. And the people who would arrest me and would condemn me for those things would be probably right to do so. But those same people 
will yell at me and call me a bigot if I tell other guys they can't do that. If the other guys say, yeah, but I really, really don't think my genitalia exists, that stuff that they're going to see when I drop my towel or get out of my clothes there, in my mind it doesn't exist because in my mind I'm really one of them. I'm really a female. How dare you tell him he can't go in there and get naked? Yeah, but didn't we just establish that if the women in that locker room or the girls in that locker room don't want to see it, if they, if it is against their will that that's sexual harassment or sexual assault, didn't we just establish that? Yeah, but that's different. You're different. Of You're a different kind of male than this guy is. In fact, this guy is such a different male that we're pretending his junk doesn't exist. And so if he can pretend it doesn't exist, then doggone it, those girls have to pretend it doesn't exist. But if you go in there, yours exists, and you are guilty of sexual harassment slash sexual assault. I want you to consider the hypocrisy of it all. Charlie and I just kind of stumbled onto this. You are infringing upon the rights of men to act like women, exposing themselves in their presence against their will if you don't support LGBTQ bathroom, shower room, locker room rights. But if you, who have the same anatomical body parts as one of those people, go into the same place and expose yourself, you're under arrest. And it will affect your career in the future. If you ever get nominated for the Supreme Court, you can forget about it, pal. You exposed yourself. Think about the insanity of it all. James is in uh, Lorraine County on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, James. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, hey. Bob, let me take off speaker. Yes, sir. Thank you for uh, bringing the good news to people. And uh, I was going to call and thank you for bringing the, your authors of... Uh, Molly Hemingway and Jerry Severino and bringing the truth out this week. Great to hear that and it was very timely. Uh, I definitely want to change my my opinion and say I wanted to thank you for bringing out good that you do with your radio show. Well, it's my pleasure to do so. It's important that we hear from people like Carrie Severino. And like I said, they're using, excuse me, she and Molly are um, using social media to the best of their ability to tell the truth, to defend Brett Kavanaugh, to expose those who are out to get him and out to hurt him. They're using it every way they can. I think they should be uh, they, they should be allowed access to the public airwaves as much as possible, including these, to be able to share that information. Absolutely. Also, Dr. Piper, in the book that he has written and the talks that he's given, I went and saw him at the uh, Warner banquet in uh, the Liberty Room. Yeah, the American Liberty Trinity Lounge. Project, right. Yeah, the yeah. the uh, Liberty Lounge, right, right, right. Yeah, he's uh, he's phenomenal. I know everybody who saw him and heard him is very impressed. It's very impressive. And uh, thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I appreciate it, James. Thank you. Um, 216 Yeah, I mean, seriously, I, I, I think it's almost a responsibility that comes with the... Uh, the microphone and the transmitter and the airwaves, truthfully, that we have to put people like Carrie Severino on and uh, Molly Hemingway tomorrow. Uh, Michelle Malkin will be joining us. Uh, really appreciate Marcy, by the way, my assistant, uh, for, for re- reaching out to Michelle Malkin. She is going to be joining us to talk about the borders. She was supposed to be 
uh, available to speak to next week when I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, and she's not going to be there, so she agreed to come on with me separately to discuss our open borders and the problems and the dangers and the threats and a new book that she has written about that, so she'll be on tomorrow. We have to give these people all of the airtime that we can. It's almost our responsibility. It's almost kind of an oath. It's, it's just part of, uh, you know, doing what we do. We have to give these people an opportunity to share the truth, to counteract the lies of the mainstream media. Yeah, I hate, you know, I, I, I don't, I, you'll notice I don't come on the show every day and just scream fake news, this, fake, but, but in truth, when fake news like the, what the New York Times has done, uh, exists, and when they continue to propagate these kinds of things, it is incumbent upon us to make sure that the truth is told, that the lies are exposed and the truth is told, and that's kind of what we, uh, we try to do on this show. Real quick, before I take a time out and another, or another call, I mentioned this, and I want to hit this real quick. Um, the, Iranians are responsible responsible for the attack on our, uh, or not on our, rather on our allies, the Saudis' uh, oil refineries. This according to the State Department and uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. The uh, Saudi oil attack was approved by Iran's supreme leader, uh, Mr. Pompeo said. Our top U.S. military commander for the Middle East, General Frank McKenzie, has asked permission to send three more batteries of anti-aircraft missiles to help Saudi Arabia protect its oil facilities. And when President Trump was briefed on the military options, he insisted that Saudi Arabia would have to contribute to any retaliatory strike, and he doesn't know what that strike is going to entail just yet. I bring that up, though, because I want to share what um, Senator Lindsey Graham had to say about this. Senator Graham and I kind of see eye to eye on this matter, to be to be quite honest with you. And it's different than a lot of other people, including a lot of the president's other supporters. And Lindsey Graham is one, and I am one. Different scales, of course. But um, I, I feel like there is nothing that could be worse if we truly have evidence that Iran was responsible for this oil strike, or for this uh, refinery strike. There is nothing that would be worse than to embolden them to do worse by not responding here. And I don't mean with just sanctions. I mean with some sort of a physical response, something beyond sanctions, to uh, to really achieve maximum deterrence to make sure that they never do this again. So I want to share with you this clip from Lindsey Graham talking uh, at his press conference yeah, conference yesterday. And tell me what you think of it in the last segment. This will wrap up this segment, so listen, and then tell me what you think in the last segment. Because I, uh, I think the time for caution uh, is kind of past. I think the time for bold action, not saying an invasion of Iran, but a bold action to deter future military aggression by them, I think that time is here. Well, the first thing I want to do is congratulate President Trump on picking Robert O'Brien to be the national, uh, the next national security advisor. Mr. O'Brien is a great choice. He understands the world for the dangerous place it is. He's got great negotiating skills as our hostage negotiator, and I think he'll be a very sound policy advisor to the President of the United States. And President Trump made a very good choice in Robert O'Brien. Uh, as to Iran... I'm hoping that uh, Secretary Pompeo can pull together a coalition 
that will act in a fashion to change Iran's behavior. I support the idea of working on a regional coalition. I would like to see the president go to the UN and make the case that Iran's behavior is an act of war against Saudi Arabia and must be dealt with firmly. Whether or not the United Nations would respond, I don't know. As to Iran itself, I appreciate the effort of the president to be measured when it came to the drone uh, attack. But the point I'm trying to make is not what I think, it's what the Iranians think. And clearly, they have not gotten the message. This attack on the oil refinery, by any reasonable definition, is an act of war. It is attacking the world economy. It's the stability of the oil markets throughout the world. And in addition to attacking a refinery in Saudi Arabia, the Iranians are increasing enrichment, putting them closer to a bomb. Why does all this matter? If the Arabs believe the United States and our allies throughout the world will not um, stop Iran from marching toward a nuclear weapon, the Arabs are going to get one of their own, then you're going to have a nuclear arms race in the Mideast. So what I'm looking for is action by the administration and the world to restore deterrence. Because when it comes to Iran's misbehavior, we have lost deterrence. When you look at the sanctions... I'm stop it there, because that's what I wanted you to hear. Lindsey Graham is right. There is no deterrence. Iran has been emboldened. And unless we want to take the Obama doctrine uh, with uh, approach to uh, Iran, we need a very strong deterrence to be reinforced right now. And uh, I'm not saying the president should rush the decision, but it's something that should be aggressive enough that they realize, okay, that was a mistake. Uh, your thoughts on that and more in our final segment to come right after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1055, we'll squeeze in a call or two. I wanted to hear more Lindsey Graham, but um, I'll have that for you tomorrow. I do want to hear from Ron in Burke Park now before we're done, though. Hey, Ron, go ahead. Hey, Bob. I got a question for you, okay? Yes, sir. We're going to use the LBGT and the left as our new norm, okay? Then why do we have laws against child pornography? You can go to prison for a long, long time for just looking at pictures of underage kids or underage people on your computer that you're probably never ever going to meet because a lot of those pictures come from other countries, all right? Right. But yet you can walk, you can put a skirt on and walk into a locker room or whatever or a, or a public bathroom where there might be young people in there and you can expose yourself and there's no law against that using the left's logic. Or you can, or you can just go in there and stare at them as they are exposed in the, you know, in the in the various places, locker room, shower rooms. You can go in there, as you say, and look at underage children, and uh-huh. uh, and just stare at them, or or you know, glance at them, or glimpse at them for whatever joys you may get out of that. Like you said, those who would enjoy child porn, they can see it in person, and it's protected. Right, but yet if you go on your computer and you <clears> have <throat> images of underage, un, somebody under eighteen, naked, right. And they seize your computer. You can go to prison for a long, long time. Why is that? Exactly that right. Sense, and, does it? And, and no, it doesn't. Because you're right. You should and you should go to prison for those things. Uh, right. But yeah, and yet they're going to protect your rights to see them in person uh, yeah. and, and against the will of the children. Uh, it is simply, go. it is simply ridiculous. Thank you, Ron. Great point. Great analogy too. Uh, John in Canada is next. Hey, in Canada, wow! Didn't know we were. We had people listening up there. Good to have you, John. Go right ahead. Oh, hi, Bob. Yeah, I, I try to tune in as often as I can. Uh, and I just want to let you know that you guys aren't alone when it comes to a bunch of 
loony left politicians. I mean, uh, we've got a uh, federal election here in Canada next month, and I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, of our uh, prime minister the last 24 hours. Uh, I have. Well, <laughs> but it, uh, it makes me, as a conservative, a very happy man. Uh, this guy has got to go. I mean, uh, this country can't afford another four years with this buffoon in office. And uh, But isn't he still really popular up there? Well, believe it or not, uh, he seems to be in certain parts of the country. I live in western Canada. I live in Calgary, Alberta, okay. in the western. And, uh, but he seems to have a lot of, believe it or not, he's still popular in places like Quebec and uh, southern Ont- in Ontario there. So why, I have no idea. But uh, anyways, if, uh, if, if, if this latest uh, debacle that he's got himself in, like there's an, there was another uh, video that just came out this morning of him. Uh, just, I saw just, it. Uh, uh, him, he's he's kind of dressed up in blackface this time. I mean, if this does, if this isn't the final nail in the coffin for his campaign, uh, our country is finished. And uh, anyways, I I pray that uh, you guys uh, down there uh, do not uh, elect a Democrat, just as much as I uh, hope that we don't uh, have another four years with another Liberal Party in place here. But anyways, well, I, I, really do, I think we do share that. Well, thank you, John. And thanks for tuning yeah. in as much as you can yeah. from up in Canada. Yeah. I appreciate that. God bless. And, and you're right. We do have some similar problems there in this regard, don't we, uh, our two countries? But, yeah, three different episodes of either brownface or blackface involving Justin Trudeau. He is apologizing. Uh, and the question is, is how much they care up in Canada. Uh, down here, they don't care very much, at least in Virginia. Ralph, Ralph Northam is still the governor despite his blackface episode. But we'll discuss that and more tomorrow as part of Free For All Friday. Mike Gallagher's next. Stay right here. We'll see you then. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.